T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. And good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighter's Fury here on The Ticket. Tobin here with you, and that is a hell of a night to come off of. We have a new unified heavyweight champion of the world, Andy Ruiz, knocking out Anthony Joshua yesterday in the seventh round. Did not. AJ did not respond to the referee into the officiate's uh, liking. And so we got a new champ, man. A new champ. Andy Ruiz has the majority of the heavyweight belts in the world and finds himself completely shaking up the heavyweight division, a division that we have been talking about that's been really right basically since Tyson Fury took the title off of Vladimir Klitschko, went off into his little hiatus, and then we had that all-time classic between AJ and Vladimir Klitschko again to really reshuffle everything and, you know, Deontay Wilder's performances and Tyson Fury's comeback and all of that stuff. This has been a really, really buzzworthy division and a division that has had a lot of shakeups and a lot of great moments and a lot of crazy moments. But yesterday was probably the craziest of them all. Andy Ruiz, who took this fight on five weeks notice after Jarrell Big Baby Miller tested positive for every performance enhancing supplement that he probably could. And takes the title off of Anthony Joshua, who, look, there's been a lot of debate on this show about how good Anthony Joshua is and what skill sets do each of these guys in, in the in the three-headed monster of Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, and Anthony Joshua, who's really the best out of all of them and, and, and what guy brings what to the table and where do one guys have vulnerabilities. But there's no doubt that the guy who was the golden pony out of all of them, the guy who was the biggest blockbuster success out of all of them, was Anthony Joshua. This guy was the meal ticket for Eddie Hearn, for British boxing. The guy is an icon over there and walks the streets beloved, fills soccer stadiums left and right, Olympic champion. So this guy was the poster child of the heavyweight division. I think that we've we've talked about the guys that he's taken on, if he was playing with fire too much and all that stuff. But before all this has to be culminated and we get to people calling him a fraud and calling him exposed and all that stuff, that naturally comes with a high-profile fighter losing and especially getting upset. We have to know this about Anthony Joshua. The guy won his championships against a Vladimir Klitschko, who some are going to call washed up or past his prime, and you're going to discredit everything that he's done. What we saw last night was very similar to what we saw in the Vladimir Klitschko fight. In that, 
we saw a guy who put forth and imposed his will early on in that fight. And then when it got put back on him, didn't really know how to respond in the right way. But I think mentally where we saw the difference, where a lot of the physical things were the same, that the arms got tired, there was a, there was a, a wobbliness of the legs, there was some trouble getting, him, getting his equilibrium back together. But I thought it was very, very clear what we saw yesterday with Anthony Joshua. Was a difference in mentality, a difference in how he handled getting knocked down, and a difference really in what the fight meant to him. There was a big difference in the fight against Vladimir Klitschko, taking on a legend. Being there with a guy who truly felt danger against. Being in there with a guy who was the best heavyweight of a generation, whether you want to love his reign or not. But there was a big difference in him going after that championship and being able to work through all that stuff to this fight with Andrew Ruiz where, look, you got to give a lot of credit to that guy. He had the better timing in those in those scrambles when things got really chaotic, when he took the big shot from Anthony Joshua, got up, came back, knocked him down twice. Says a lot about Andy Ruiz, who everybody and their mother overlooked. But it looked like reality just wasn't setting in with Anthony Joshua at any point in this fight. And if you go back to that Klitschko fight, Reality was always there. There was panic that was setting in. There was fatigue that was setting in. Those arms were getting those those big telephone arms, those, those uh, that Adonis figure that he has, all that muscle looking for for oxygen to keep pushing through. All that panic was very very noticeable in that fight against Vladimir Klitschko. All of it was, but in this fight it wasn't. It's like he would get knocked down, and it was like he was, you know, maybe he was just knocked worse than we didn't realize, but it was almost like he was in La La Land, like he was in a sparring session. Like you couldn't find where the desperation was. You know, he's like looking at the referee, and, you know, we get to this point in the third round. At the end of it, that ref could have stopped that fight then. A lot of talk about the end of the seventh round and whether AJ wanted to continue fighting. That referee, he's lucky that that ref let him continue in the third round, quite frankly, with how bad badly he was hurt or how laissez-faire he was with how the ref was counting that thing out. It was, it was weird. And I think that this, there's a couple things in theory that I, 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 I would put out there with this. One... Anthony Joshua looked upon this as just, you know, we're just doing the American debut. That this is not the guy I wanted to take on. I was looking forward to a, a fun my, uh, a fun match with Jarrell Miller, who talked a lot of bleep. You know, a guy who got bit by karma with all the, the things that he said about me and performance-enhancing drugs and all that stuff. And he ended up popping for PEDs and you know, now I'm taking on a guy, it's it's less confrontational. Andy Ruiz is coming in with a, a, a smile and a wink and a hug. He's the nice guy. This isn't an adversary. Uh, I'm training down in Miami. 
which is always dangerous. I don't care who you are if you are just kind of coming down here as a vacation spot. Some people do it on the regular, do it on the regular and are fantastic at it. They make this their home. Anthony Joshua, he's building a, a mansion warehouse gym and you know, it's 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 all kind of just like you're here for the show and you're showing things off and maybe you're not getting quite the same sparring or the same pressure that you are when you are in London. I don't know. But there clearly was this mental gap in there with the opponent he was taking on, the preparation that he put in, the kind of stakes that he felt. And and I got to say, there's going to be a lot of talk about, and we'll get to this, about the future of the heavyweight division and when he should have taken the uh, Deontay Wilder fight and whether or not he played with fire. And clearly a lot of that stuff clear, you know, seems to be valid. But I don't know if anything shook him more quite like Deontay Wilder's knockout over Dominic Brazil. I really believe that. That Deontay was getting to a point where he had the classic, the more recent classic with Tyson Fury, debatable about whether or not he won or lost, but no matter what you want to think about the result of that fight, it was a thriller and an all-time classic and, and and a great ending. But that knockout that he had over Dominic Brazil, it, it, it shifted the power rankings as far as public perception. So, yeah, he took on a guy in Dominic Brazil that nobody wanted to see him fight. But what did he do? He hit him so hard and flatlined him so bad that everybody just had to be like, look, man, this guy's the man. No matter what, like, even even if he's not getting the opponents and the, and, and the fighters that we want to see him face, when he does take on guys that we don't want to see him face, he does that. And the one thing I can say about Anthony Joshua is since his win over Vladimir Klitschko, which was a thriller and one of the best heavyweight title fights of all time and an all-time classic and showed his fortitude and showed his guts and showed him to be a champion, since that time, these haven't been buzzworthy fights. They've been good resume guys, beating Povetkin, respect, you know, showed some vulnerability he had to get through in that fight. But whether the Stormer won the fight, the fight against Joe Parker showed his great ability and range and showed a great boxing skill set and showed him to be very well-rounded. Not the most thrilling fight. Not one that anybody's going to be writing about in the record books. The fight against Carlos Takam, a last-minute re- uh, replacement, got headbutt early on in that fight, had to deal with a broken nose. And in all honesty... It was garbage that that fight was stopped. It should have gone the distance against the guy. You know, not a lot of people think that should be in the class of Anthony Joshua. So this title defense run of Anthony Joshua's has not been the most inspiring in the world. While you look at a guy like Deontay Wilder, who's going and fighting Luis Ortiz and fighting Tyson Fury, and when he's not fighting those guys, fighting the Stavernes and fighting the Dominic Brazils, and he's knocking them out in the most devastating fashion possible. So we're not forgetting them. So even if they're not memorable opponents on his level, the results are. And the way that he wins is. So I do think it has to be thought about with this with this fight. It really does. That knockout over Dominic Brazil that Deontay Wilder put forth a couple of weeks ago Definitely got in the mind of Anthony Joshua. 
and that he wanted to win in a sensational fashion over this guy in Andy Ruiz so that he could re-imprint on the public who the real heavyweight champion is. And it's been a while. It's been a while where we've really thought, man, Anthony Joshua, that is the guy I want to see. Is he? Is is he the most blockbuster-worthy heavyweight champ that we had out of all these guys? I said this a couple of weeks ago with Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder might not be the best heavyweight boxer on the planet, but he's the most entertaining, no doubt. Bar none. There's not a competition there. If you had to tell me, hey, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, they all three have separate fights on one night. The guy I want to watch is Deontay Wilder. There's no doubt about that. So, I think that AJ got caught up in a couple things. I think that, one, his chin got exposed yet again. He's been a guy who's been buckled a bunch of times, and he can be sent to the canvas. He's vulnerable. It's heavyweight boxing, so you grade that stuff a little bit differently. Two, the cardio issues. That is a big, big muscular body that he has to put through. He looks like an Adonis. If you were building a video game and how you want a, a, a heavyweight boxer to look like, that's probably what you would want. That's what we've been asking for for the longest time for our heavyweight champion to look like Anthony Joshua and not look like Andy Ruiz. However, when you look like that and you have to have those big muscles at 6'6", pump through a fight the entire 12 rounds, it's taxing. And AJ's gas tank has been questionable throughout points in his career. So there's that. Also, I don't know if it really ever said into him that he was going to lose this fight because of the way he was reacting to these knockouts, smiling at some points, flashing his eyes. He was dwelling on the knockdowns after round three, dwelling on the knockdowns with his with his coach round four, round five. Was it, what was I hit with again? What was it? Hook. Hook, AJ. You were hit with a left hook. You were hit with a hook. It just it just wasn't computing with him. It's almost like he was watching himself fight. It was weird. And so when the seventh round comes about, he's looking good again in the sixth round. You know, he hits Andy Ruiz with another big shot, maybe starting to weather the storm. Jab was never really a factor. His range was never really a factor. Really just never set up the game plan. Kind of just was letting Andrew Ruiz come to him. At one point, it seemed like he was going to look for the big counter shot that was going to flatline Andrew Ruiz. just never came, man. Andrew Ruiz was... Was, was imposing his will on that fight the entire time. And, you know, shout out to him. Huge, huge victory. And now we're set in this weird spot. Where do we go from here in the heavyweight division? Where are things going to settle? Um, are we going to get an immediate rematch? That was That's what was said in the post-fight after in that ring. But things change. And plans can change. And, and affiliations of champions can change. So we'll see. But... This loss last night for Anthony Joshua was absolutely devastating for him. What it meant for boxing, we'll get into that because that's always my favorite thing after a huge upset happens uh, and what people think of the fighter, the sport, and all of that. But we'll continue that on Fighter's Fury right after this. It's Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Fighter's Fury rolls on here. You can text show 67974 on the com text line. Our old friend Sandy checking on in. 
Was Tobin several years back when AJ fought Klitschko. I was the buzzkill guy. When I called talking about that AJ being susceptible to the hook and right lead. Moreover, that he had a porcelain chin. Upset not to me. Boxing body types are for casual fans. My wallet is much heavier today. Uh, that's what happens again when the narrative that Ruiz has his number or Joshua's a fraud. Both Buster never had a chance for the big money rematch as Mike wanted no part of it, creating the narrative of the monumental upset, saving his brand. Uh, when the competition toughened, Tyson was exposed. Sorry for the long text, but you don't take calls. Sandy also says, said the same about the Brazil fight. Told my son, uh, don't think AJ wants to, doesn't recognize that power. And uh, appreciate you, Sandy. Always appreciate your regular uh, contributions to the show. I don't know why we don't take calls anymore. You can call if you want to. Uh, open up the lines for him if he wants to get on in. Uh, Antoine, that's fine with me. And Sa- Sandy's a legend, so I give him his respect if he wants to talk. Nobody else. Everybody else is banned. I'm just kidding. 786-360-0790. It's just rare that people actually have thoughts on a Sunday morning on fighting, but I know Sandy does want to get in, so it's open up to you, Sandy, if you do want to get in, if I didn't do your text justice. Uh, other people want to know, like, what, uh, what, what, a big common thing we're getting is about the body, and it's like, why does somebody who looks the way Andy Ruiz does have a better gas tank and physique like AJ's? And this is a big thing in boxing where or, or combat sports. A lot of the times, a guy who is super jacked or has the muscles upon muscles that an AJ does, or if I were to, you know, equate it to mixed martial arts, you think of a guy like uh, Francis Ngannou. You know, the having those big, big muscles are awesome, and they usually equate to a lot of power and some dynamic shots and all that type of stuff. But when you have big muscles like that, it, it, it does question to a big thing of gas tank, where you have to have a lot of blood pumping through those muscles through an entire fight, and it is it is taxing on the body. It can be taxing on the body. And a guy like Andrew Ruiz, where he has, you know, this portly body, we should say, and is just out there, and he's just well-conditioned for the sport at that. Look, Andrew Ruiz, just because he's not in good shape doesn't mean that he's not in good condition. That guy probably goes into the gym, probably works his ass off, can do that type of exercise nonstop, but probably has a crap diet. I'm sure like he's admitted. So he doesn't care about what he looks like or it's not that important to him. But it doesn't mean that he can't go into that gym, spar 12 rounds, take a lot of damage, throw a lot of punches, doing it his whole life. He's probably been doing it since he was a child. So though he may have a layer of fat over that body or a lot of fat over that body, doesn't mean that he is not in good condition to go out there and outpunch Anthony Joshua or in this case, be in better boxing shape than Anthony Joshua, who looks like a Greek god. Rob's in Hollywood. What's going on, man? Hey, man. Just uh, chiming in and, uh, you know, just wanted to touch on the Jorge Masvidal front. What do you expect from this guy if he's victorious in his next fight? Do you expect him to be in that top-tier pinnacle type of talk? Yeah, I think he's a great one. Thanks, man. I appreciate the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, brother. Uh, I already think that he's there. Um, as far as where he is in the uh, in the pinnacle of the welterweight division, but if he goes and he beats this fight with, if he goes and beats Ben Askren, I think he's for sure going to be in line for a title shot, which will be odd for him, um, because I don't think anybody thought that about the Warrior Masvidal because he's been in the sport for so long. Sometimes these people get put into these boxes that they're not going to ever get out of that certain can uh you know contendership or gatekeeper role and for him 
the fact that he's going to have a chance to get into the title picture after so many years in the sport is amazing. And I don't think, uh, I, I think as far as people down here in Miami, I hope you support him to the fullest because he is from this city, about this city, born and bred of this city, and you should be supporting a game-bred Masvidal coming up in July. Uh, there's the uh, aforementioned Sandy. What's going on, my friend? It's good to talk to you. Pleasure, Tobin. And you can introduce me as the least surprised man in America. Okay? The, you know, he's he's had the porcelain chin. Nobody just, and I know people were aware of it, but nobody wanted to come out and say it because they were just so overwhelmed by the physique. Mm-hmm. He's had some he's had some quality wins. Certainly the Dylan White fight was a quality win. He's got a good and, resume. He has a he ha if like if you were to line up the record and you look at it, he gets wins and he has wins over quality guys, but there's always moments in these fights where you're just like all right, there, there, there's there's definitely vulnerabilities there. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agreed with you on the on the Brazil thing. I said to my son when we were watching the fight, and I've been going to all the big fights, Tobin. I've been out in Carson. I've been in Omaha. I've gone up to Barclays. This weekend I didn't go. But uh, I, I said to my son when we were watching the Brazil fight, I said, don't think Joshua does not see that. Don't think he doesn't recognize the power. But I, I, I sit here and I, I texted you about this. Chris Ariola today is saying to himself, I wanted to be this guy. Mm-hmm. This is who I wanted to be. And Ortiz is saying to himself, did I blow an opportunity? And I was very upset that he didn't take the fight. 100%. Yeah, I mean, this was, I, not that I'm an Ortiz fan, my son is, but I'm not. But, you know, I would have advised him to take the fight. And, of course, Miller blew it totally. No doubt. But I, I, I will tell you this. I was around Mike, okay, during pre-Buster, pre, uh, pre during uh, the deal when he was spending a lot of time down here with Convertible Burt, the whole group, and by my wife's uh, distant cousin of Convertible Burt and a bunch of stuff. And, you know, it was great that they created this narrative of the upset. And it will always stand, unfortunately, because there was no rematch clause. But if there had been the rematch clause, it would have been totally different because I think Buster would have beaten him again. And I think it would have been a situation where, yeah, he he had his number. Or, yeah, maybe Mike wasn't all that. Because we saw when the competition stiffened, Mike wasn't the same guy. And I know it's very fashionable to say, well, you know, he had the problem with Desiree Washington. We, we, we want to excuse our heroes away. But I really think that that was unfortunate for Buster because it changed the narrative historically. And it would have been his big payday. Because remember, the first fight wasn't his big payday. The rematch would have been. Well, I think but the thing now- that's going to be interesting here, Sandy, with, with Ruiz is, you know, he is an Al Heyman guy. And I know that they have a rematch clause, but if AJ does blink on this, if that's going to shake up what the announced plans were, because they announced that, you know, Deontay said that he's going to fight Luis Ortiz again, and then, then after that he's going to fight Tyson Fury. But, you know, now that everybody's kind of in the Heyman camp that has the belts, do they, yeah. do they restructure and then say, no, 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 let's get Deontay all the belts now or give him the shot to get all the belts and then figure things out from there? Absolutely. I, I, I you know, 
I think he's got, and I'm sure you recognize this. You you were just talking about the excitement level with him. I I, I think we 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 agree that that Wilder is the best heavyweight in the world. Uh, that is not the best boxer in the world. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and I think after last night, we had as far as if you're rating guys on boxing ability, you put Tyson Fury to the head of the class now. But if you rate rate you know the fight game on guys with power and the guys that can do damage and the guys that will probably win, you 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 put Wilder at the top of that. But what's really nice, you know, Tobin, is that there's this. Really good bunch of guys. No doubt. That in a year or two that are going to be coming up. So we'll be filling. There won't be this void of, you know, well, when these guys are gone, there's going to be a chasm. They won't happen. We've got these Nigerian guys coming up, Dylan White. Parker's still around, even though, you know, it's questionable. But there's a good group coming up, and it's going to keep the. The, the sport exciting, and it's going to keep uh, the heavyweight division exciting. Take calls every now and again, man. I go to these big fights. I'd love to tell you how the, the atmosphere was when I'm out there. Omaha is great, by the way. Have a great morning, Tobin. Uh, Take see care. you, Sandy. Sandy, sports radio calling legend, breaking us with his sweet science knowledge. Haven't heard from him in a while, but it's good to talk to an old friend, man. Um, Yeah, I think, I think to Sandy's point, and this is, look, the one thing that I'd like to say with the Anthony Joshua thing, because this is always a thing that goes to when a big-time fighter loses or a big-time star loses, and everybody wants to dump on them and they go, they want to go with the fraud label. And I just think that all of these guys, first of all, it's the, it's the heavyweight division. So genuinely, bigger guys aren't going to be as skilled as little guys. They're going to have some openings. There's going to be some openings there. And I think with AJ, look, I just think that he he went into that thing and he didn't fight it the best way that he could. And I think that he is a lot more Lennox Lewis than Deontay Wilder. He's not a headhunter. He's not a guy who can go and dust guys out there with one shot and knock them silly and it's over with them. It's just not how he goes about and wins. It's not his best style. But I do think that it got into his head that – People were getting more entertained by that stuff, and they were getting into a position where they were rooting for him more, and that's weird for a guy who has been the golden boy and has been completely beloved by everybody. And so when people start to question the way you go about and win and the way your opponents are and and all those types of things, I think it gets away from you how you should go out there and how you should go out there and, and win fights. And... You know, this is a guy that is best establishing the range and putting out his jab and setting things up that way. And he got away from it. Look, he got one taste of putting Ruiz down, and he got into this firefight thinking that he was going to go and finish this thing off like it was nothing. And, you know, that's that's not his best skill set. That's not his best asset. And that's, that's why he's in the position that he is in today. He got careless. And then when he starts making those mistakes, then – the flaws are exposed. And that's why a lot of these guys, look, to me, in the heavyweight division right now, all the top guys, Deontay, Tyson, um, and Anthony Joshua, these guys aren't frauds. None of them are frauds. And if they lose you, you're going to call them frauds and all that stuff. They're flawed. They're not fraud, man. It's, it, it is a division that has a lot of great entertaining guys, and a lot of them are different. The way that Tyson Fury goes and wins fights is different from the way that Deontay Wilder goes and wins fights. 
and is different from the way that AJ goes and wins fights, and Luis Ortiz wins fights, and Joe Parker wins fights, and Jarrell Miller wins fights, and Andy Ruiz, the new unified heavyweight champion of the world, wins fights. They're different, and that's what makes it great. That is why it is such a fascinating sport. And seeing all of these guys get shaken up a little bit, you know, people may say, oh, look at a guy like Andy Ruiz. He's now on top of the the heavyweight division with a body like that. How is that good for the sport? Well, what would have been bigger for the sport? Anthony Joshua going and beating Andy Ruiz silly like everybody thought he was at 50 to 1 odds. Would we be even talking about it today? Would it be Would we be spending our entire show on it? I don't think so. I think it would have been like, all right, cool. When are you fighting Deontay Wilder? Okay, cool. When are you fighting Tyson Fury? It would have just been another blip in the radar. But because the upset happens, now you have to talk about, well, where does AJ go from here? Is Andrew Ruiz a guy who's actually going to maintain the titles? Can he beat Deontay Wilder? Was he a fluke? Is a guy who does have a body like that? And though I defended his condition, does he now go off the rails at 260? Does he now go to 300? And now he has to lose a crazy amount of weight like Tyson Fury did after Tyson Fury won the title. There's all these questions out there that I'm fascinated about. And, you know, maybe that's me being a boxing nerd and defending the sport to high hills, but look, Anthony Joshua, I think Tyson Fury said it best last night when he tweeted out, you know, we've had our back and forth, Anthony Joshua, but you, uh, but Anthony Joshua changed his stars through life, heavyweight boxing. These things happen. Rest up and recover. He not only changed his stars, but I thought he changed the star spectrum of the sport. I really do. Like, Tyson Fury's title win over Vladimir Klitschko is one of the most boring fights you'll ever see and mostly went forgotten. And then we never got the rematch to see if he could do better because he went off the rails. AJ's title win over Vladimir Klitschko at least put a face to the sport where people seemed to be into it again and, and, and really respected it and wanted to tune in to watch him. And for that, you know, people should be thankful for AJ. And it is going to be interesting. Now that the Golden Boy has been knocked off a little bit, can he come back from this? Does he want to come back from this? What kind of Anthony Joshua are we going to get from here? And, yeah, to me, that's good for the sport. That, that, that to me, is what makes the sport great and leaves a lot of things unknown. We'll be back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury continues. Obviously a very buzzworthy night as Andrew Ruiz is your new heavyweight champion of the world. Knocking out Anthony Joshua yesterday in the seventh round. He was leading on two of the scorecards, 57-56. AJ was ahead 57-56 on one of the others. Um, all the judges had it a 10-8 round, obviously, in the third where they exchanged. Andy ended up with two knockdowns to AJ's one. And then, of course, put him down twice in the seventh to finally end it. But, yeah, that I, I just want to put to rest, too. Um, what was the what was the ref's name? It was Mike Griffin, I think it was. No controversy with him as far as that seventh round. I know they did a lot of debate, and there was a lot of uh, fodder in the in the aftermath with, uh, with the zone broadcast. Um, there's no debate here. Like, AJ looks so out of it after getting knocked down for the second time in that seventh round, spit out the mouthpiece, turned his back to the corner, arms resting up. It didn't look like a guy who was super game. It, it, it was one of the odd things watching him. It was just like, you know, it was very accepting. Like, is this actually happening? And that's why I say I, I want to know how bad he was hitting that third round as far as 
I don't think people realize because he got up and you know he was on the 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 shaky legs and whatnot but it's almost as like once that happened he was kind of replaying the bad movie in his head as it was going on it was just weird and then you know first of all very gracious in defeat to to Andy Ruiz why wouldn't you be Andy Ruiz was about as classy as it gets in the in the in his short lead up to this fight but you know this is a guy who was heavyweight champ of the world and um I'm sure had dreams of fighting Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury for the big, big fights eventually, whenever the hell they were going to happen on his terms, obviously, because he was the A side. But look, things are going to flip now. Uh, he's going to have this this rematch with Andy Ruiz. From a boxing standpoint, look, there's not going to be a lot of flaws that are going to change. I don't think, uh, I don't think AJ is going to go out there and all of a sudden, be in much better condition. I think mentally he has to go out this with a better game plan of not having a guy who's 6'2", get in your kitchen the entire time. He needs to keep him at bay better. He needs to control the ring better. Um, but it's not a rematch. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's going to be a rematch. He is. He's as anxious to go after as he is right now. You know, we'll see. We'll see. And, and it's going to be interesting, too, with – Deontay Wilder and, and what comes forth because if Deontay Wilder goes forth with his plan of fighting Luis Ortiz and then with Tyson Fury afterwards, there's no guarantee that Deontay Wilder wins those fights. Luis Ortiz is an absolute badass. He's one of the best boxers on the planet. It's a hard style. Southpaw can hurt you. Almost put Deontay Wilder down in the first fight. And then in the in the Tyson Fury fight, it's a very big coin flip. It's going to be a big determination of whether Tyson Fury is going to box him even better because he's now been in a ring with Deontay Wilder for 12 rounds and should have better knowledge of how to avoid that knockdown. Or is it going to be Deontay Wilder being a guy who has now been in there with a guy who's 6'9 and is used to fighting a guy of that size and can get the knockout a lot quicker? It's a, it's a big coin flip. So there's a lot of questions left in this heavyweight division. And... There's no clear path. It does have to bring you to the point of these two are going to regret not fighting each other as much uh, or as soon as they probably should have. Because ultimately it comes down to this. Look, we can jockey about A side, B side, what kind of money guys should have gotten and, and, and what kind of respect guys should have gotten. But here's the real crux of it all, okay? Those guys since 2016 have held pieces of the heavyweight championship and, for whatever reason, never fought each other. And that's bull bleep. As, as, as a guy who loves the sport, there's no reason why a debate about who is the heavyweight champion of the world should be lingering over the sport for three years. You want to postpone it for uh, you know a year because contracts didn't quite match up, but you can't negotiate something in the span of three years, what are we doing at that point? I mean, come on. At, at some point, you guys have to come to an agreement to fight each other because we need to know who the guy is. And there's no amount of money or there's no amount of purse split that can't be absolutely agreed upon in three years. It's all just stuff where... It, 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 it's jockeying for public perception and who is the guy who is the winner in the fans' eyes. That's what that's what all this stuff has to just frustrate you as a boxing fan. 
that, oh, these guys played with fire and eventually they're going to get what they deserve because, look, we could be sitting here in December and neither one of them has a belt. And then your dream matchup is ultimately blown up completely. It can still be rectified. Don't get me wrong. Look, a lot of mention has happened after this fight of biggest upset ever, Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. I don't think that AJ has gotten to the to the status that Mike Tyson did. It's also very, very different. You know, Mike Tyson was looked upon as one of the most intimidating fighters of all time, but, you know, eventually lost to a physically bigger person in Buster Douglas who could stand up to his power and wouldn't be bullied around. Andrew Ruiz is not going to be looked upon as a guy who was, uh, you know, who had this physically imposing gift over Anthony Joshua. So it's a little bit different in that regard. And I, 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 I've, I've long compared AJ to Lennox Lewis because I think that that is the best way he should go out there and fight. On the stakes level, it's a lot like Rockman versus Lewis. It's not the same fight because Rockman just blew up Lewis. I mean, he hit him with a monster shot, flatlined him, over. So it's not, like, mentally the same fight. Um, and he eventually did come back in the rematch and, of course, put that huge knot on Haseem Rockman's head. The big difference with that fight, or the big sim- uh, the big parallel with uh, Lewis and Rockman and Ruiz and Joshua is we were at a point where we were like, all right, when are we going to get Tyson versus Lewis? We've been waiting for it forever. And that was another fight that was done way past its prime, but at a hype level, we were still into it. We still wanted to see Mike Tyson versus Lennox Lewis and see if Mike Tyson could recapture what was once his. And when Lewis lost, that blew up a lot of the plans. You know, that that messed up a lot of that stuff. So we're kind of at that level right now. It's going to be interesting to see if AJ can make that comeback. But Deontay Wilder also has a couple of big minefields in front of him. And, and Luis Ortiz and then maybe Tyson Fury, who he fought to a draw to, a controversial draw in some people's minds, uh, a controversial loss in some people's minds because people thought that maybe Tyson Fury got a long count at the end of it. But these guys bleeped around for too long. You know, you go to Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather and you think about how long those guys messed around and what that fight eventually became. But the thing that I think uh, I found most frustrating about it is how little time it took when they actually wanted to make the fight happen. When they actually got serious about making the fight and they said, oh, Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, at a heat Bucks game. Let's actually talk about this and make this fight happen. And when they actually started talking about making the fight happen, didn't take any time at all. And that's the thing when you look at this sport that has to just absolutely infuriate you is you can make the fight happen. You act like people are scared and you act like these splits are impossible to make and that you can't decide upon this stuff. If you really want to make it and you didn't want to just milk the boxing public for all they got with DAZN subscriptions or, you know, filling up Wembley Stadium or wherever the hell you go in Wales to fill up all the stadiums and all that stuff, if you really want to make the fight happen, you could have made the fight happen. And this is the result you get. And so whatever comes of it is much deserved because you had this opportunity to put yourselves on the stage and you didn't. You didn't. And more credit to Deontay Wilder because he at least went out there and took on a guy in Tyson Fury who, yes, he was off a big layoff, but 
at least had claim to the lineal heavyweight championship or never lost his heavyweight championship. But AJ, he's sitting out here, and like I said with Sandy earlier on, Anthony Joshua has a good resume. He's a good champion's boxing resume, but it's not a memorable one outside of winning the title against Vladimir Klitschko. He's got good names on his resume, but a lot of the times we're going to be like, you would look back at that fight and be like, yeah, he almost got got there. He almost got got there. He almost got got there. There was there was that moment in that round against Povetkin. There was that moment against Dillian White. There was that moment against Carlos Takam. There were all these times where you're going to be like, you know, he got the win. And that's what champions should do. Champions should go and get the win. But Deontay Wilder turning Vermin Stavern into a meme, yeah, maybe it's not as impressive as beating Joe Parker, but it's more memorable the way he did it. And maybe beating, Carlos, uh, maybe beating Alexander Povetkin, it's not as impressive as beating Dominic Brazil. But he beat Brazil way more impressively than you did. And the Tyson Fury fight, I mean, who hasn't seen Tyson Fury waking up like The Undertaker as a meme? Everybody has. And in a day and age of social media where that stuff matters, there's not a more internet-friendly fighter than Deontay Wilder. Every one of his fights gets exposure. And right now, the most memorable thing over the last three years since AJ became champ is now him losing to a guy who everybody thinks looks like a pizza delivery guy. And that's unfortunate. But that's with him messing around too much and him and him playing the doing the power play too much of acting like I never have I don't need Deontay Wilder. I don't need to get that piece of the crown. Okay. Well, now you got none. Now you're sitting here and you got to go debate if you want to go fight Andrew Ruiz again or do you want to be the guy that lost to the pizza guy twice? A lot of debate that's coming up with him. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting time for Anthony Joshua. And it's, you know, it's going to be an interesting couple of, it's going to be an interesting, we got Tyson Fury fighting in two weeks against a guy named Schwartz. And I feel bad making fun of that because everybody was making fun of Andy Ruiz. Now Schwartz could beat Tyson Fury. Mess it all up even more. Crazy. Uh, we didn't get to any of our UFC 238 matchups, so what I'm going to let you guys know is if you go and download our podcast um, at Fighters Fury, uh, you subscribe to Fighters Fury on Radio.com or Apple uh, Podcasts or Google Play. We'll put a full breakdown of it. I'll do it after the show. Uh, we just ran out of time, and obviously, when uh, the heavyweight championship changes hands in a very surprising fashion, you're going to spend most of your show on that. You guys have had a lot of reaction to that today, so that was obviously the priority. So if you guys want our preview for UFC 238, which is coming up next week, you have Henry Cejudo, Marlon Marais fighting for the Bantamweight Championship, and of course the big one, Tony Ferguson taking on Donald Cerrone in a huge, huge lightweight matchup in the ever-packed 155 division. We'll give you that. Um, but as far as this is concerned, look, it's uh, it's it's going to be an interesting, interesting course for Anthony Joshua and the fallout from this and if he's actually going to take the uh, and the Andy Ruiz rematch but congrats to Andy Ruiz that was an awesome performance ultimately look the more famous guy losing is going to get a lot of the headlines unfortunately that's just how it works sometimes in combat sports but really all hats off have to be to Andy Ruiz because he went out and put it on Anthony Joshua in a great championship performance he shocked the world and obviously did something that meant a lot to him, his family, his heritage. First guy of uh, Mexican descent who is now a heavyweight champion, which meant a lot to him yesterday. So congratulations to Andy Ruiz. And, and uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. The calls, the texts, all the feedback on the show. 
Butterfield will be back next week. Talk to you guys then. All right, guys, my mixed martial arts fans who downloaded the podcast, thank you so much. Um, didn't get to UFC 238, which is coming up next week, which, you know, watching the UFC Stockholm broadcast yesterday, it was interesting, at least the previews that I saw, I felt like, you know, the, the vast majority of the coverage has gone to a fight third up from the from the main event, and that is Tony Ferguson versus Donald Cerrone, which... Look, if you are a mixed martial arts fan, there's no doubt that that is the fight you're probably looking forward to the most out of anything on here. So that was pretty great. Quick match, uh, quick, quick couple of notes from UFC Stockholm. Um, Alexander Rakic getting his knockout win over Jimmy Manawa was absolutely sensational. Head kick knockout off a combination. Jimmy Manawa got flatlined 42 seconds. Huge performance by him. And then Anthony Smith. Big, big bounce back from him off the the loss to John Jones. He fought Alexander Gustafson and beat him in the fourth round. Rear naked choke finish. And afterwards, Gustafson retired. He called it a career. He left his 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 gloves in the octagon. And so, uh, you know, does it look like we're going to see the mauler anytime soon or ever again? And look, for me, he's got... It, it, it it's tough. Like I saw a headline from ESPN, and they're like, "Well, Gus is there, it, it, you know he's he's more than just a gatekeeper." And I get it, but he kind of is. Just he like that is going to be the the legacy. Ultimately, he is going to be known as the guy who pushed John Jones further than anybody ever has, as far as you know, he is the guy who put John Jones in the most danger. But ultimately, you know. The resume, otherwise, is is pretty disappointing from a guy that you thought like he did that to the guy who is the best to ever do it, in John Jones. And other than that, like, what is the big legacy? Like, what is the big thing we remember from Alexander Gustafsson? Is it getting knocked out by Rumble Johnson? Is it you now getting submitted by Anthony Smith in his final fight? Is he getting beaten up by DC? I mean, the DC fight was close. It was close, but it wasn't good enough. And so. I don't know. I, I thought I thought Gus was a guy where he's like, I don't want to just be a journeyman. And I think he even realizes, like, look, you get three cracks at this title and then you lose again to a contender. What is the path to getting John Jones again? Like, could anybody after the last fight that we had with John Jones really sit here and say, Yeah, I want to see that fight again? I don't. You know, John Jones was proven correct in his uh in his in his pre fight lead up to that. In that he was Curious of whether or not uh, the way he trained and the way that he got ready for that fight, which was not training or getting ready for that fight, was the reason why it was that close. And, you know, in the rematch, it appears that is the reason why. So, I don't know. I I just think that with Gus, a good career, uh, gave us some entertaining moments. But, you know, one of the things is I think we've just been in a product of that's been a pretty thin division since john's reign and i i I just think we like to i I think of it as thin because john has reigned over it for so long so would he have had a better fate i don't know i mean he did get a shot against dc and he fell short very closely so if you are the guy who didn't beat the man who nobody's beaten the man and you're not the guy who beat the man when the man was off and suspended, what are you? You're kind of a gatekeeper. So 
I just, I don't think that should be looked upon as disrespectful, but I don't think that we should also paint Gustafson's career in something that it's not. He wasn't a champion, and he wasn't, I don't think he's going to be remembered as an all-time great, a very good, or you could even say a great fighter. He's not an all-time great. He was never a champion. And so, from my standpoint, I think that's okay. Like, I don't think we have to look him Like, look, he's he's one of the baddest men on the planet. Uh, he's the 1% of the 1% doing this, and he was top three in the world in the 205 weight class forever. But that's it. Like, And, and so, like, this idea where we have to, because a guy retired, uh, act like, oh, no, no, we didn't really appreciate what he was. It's like, nah, I appreciated him just fine. That knockout that he had against Glover Deshera, the triple uppercut, Overhand right, one of the sickest knockouts you'll see of all time. But, you know, it's against Glover Teixeira, who also hasn't been in the pinnacle of that division, who's an absolute badass and a legend, but I just found it weird. Like, we always have to do that. And I think it's almost patronizing to the other guys to be like, oh, you know. And John Jones had a cool thing where he tweeted out, he's like, honestly, I don't believe you, but if you're serious, thank you for everything. You held the division to a standard that made us all better. Go kick ass with that family. And, yeah. I think that's 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 well put. Like, he held the division to a standard. You'd be better than Gustafson, and two guys were consistently. And those guys get to have the accolades of being the best light heavyweights. And Gus gets to be the gatekeeper. That's the way I look at it. Let's get into UFC 238. Uh, next week, it is headlined by Henry Cejudo against Marlon Marias. Henry Cejudo is looking to become a two-division simultaneous champion. And I imagine after he wins this belt, we may never see the flyweight championship ever again. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Marlon Marias, of course, comes in here with just absolutely devastating striking. Henry Cejudo has been incredible with his boxing lately. He is an Olympic wrestler, so he comes in very well-rounded. This is also, of course, for the vacant Bantamweight Championship, which had to be relinquished by TJ Dillashaw because of his uh, very prevalent doping, it looks like. A um, couple things I'll say about this fight. One, I'm actually glad that it's not against TJ Dillashaw because I feel like, in a way, Henry Cejudo is coming into this as the sitting champion because he beat TJ Dillashaw and knocked him out. And I... You know, was the fight quick? Was it stopped quick? I I think on the scale of things, yeah, you could probably say that it was stopped quick, but it was stopped quick with the possibility of it getting worse. It was like Anthony Joshua yesterday. It's like, yeah, did he say he could continue? Maybe. But if the ref goes out there, what makes you think that was going to get better? Because the fight was pretty... Every time that it really turned into a firefight, <laughs> Anthony Joshua was touching the canvas. It was it was rough. So um, I look at it like this. I think Henry Cejudo right now, we're looking at a guy who has beaten two of the best on the planet in TJ Dillashaw and Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. And he's got to look out for those crazy knockouts of Marlon Marias and the ability of... Something sensational, a flying knee, a head kick, uh, that tremendous striking that he brings. But he does have more, I feel like, tools in the toolbox to go get this done. I will be picking him to win this fight. 
I think that uh, Henry Cejudo is hitting himself a nice little stride here, and I think he will end up himself the 135-pound champion after this. You got Valentina Shevchenko taking on Jessica I. Uh, the women's flyweight division is in an interesting spot as far as needing, you know, I feel like she does need herself a big-time foil here. But I do feel like Valentina Shevchenko is the second-best female fighter on the planet behind Amanda Nunes. And I just think that she's going to probably smoke Jessica I in this fight. I'd be super shocked if Jessica gets it done because I just think Valentina's in a different class right now. Um, before we get to the main, main fight, which everybody wants to talk about, you got Jimmy Rivera taking on Peter Yan. Uh, I'm going to go with Jimmy Rivera in that fight. Ty Tuivasa, my guy. Against Blagoy Ivanov. Uh, Tai Tuivas looking to come off his first loss where he lost to Junior Dos Santos. So I will go with the shoey man, Tai Tuivasa, to get the big bounce back. I am very hopeful because I would love to see that guy top the division. Uh, undercard, pretty stacked as well. Tatiana Suarez against uh, Nina Ansarov. She is uh, the fiance of Amanda Nunes, training down here at American Top Team. Tatiana Suarez is an absolute wrestling badass. Some have compared her to a Lady Khabib. I've heard that comparison. I think like I've heard Brennan Schaub say that before. Tatiana Suarez is an absolute monster. Um, but Nina train. Look, this is the one thing I'll say. Nina trains at the best gym in the world. And not only the best gym for everybody. It, it's not only the best gym for men. It's the best gym for women. The amount of good female fighters that are there. Kayla Harrison, Amanda Nunes, uh, Joanna Njajic. You know, the list goes on and on of the great women that train there. Uh, even the young the young bucks that are there. The It's just, it's such a uh, a powerhouse place. And it's it's been clear in seeing how good Nina's gotten. I, I think she's going to win this fight. I just think that you, you train at a place like that, that... Seems like they're just on a different level with getting their their women ready. Um, yeah, I, I think that she's just she's shown so much growth, and I think that she's going to get Tatiana, who this is a big big fight for her, a lot of pressure on her. I think Nina being close to Amanda, knowing that those stakes, you know, she's in the corner for all those fights. Um, she knows what the big stakes probably have a little bit of a feel like, or what it's like to see the best to ever do it, get ready for those. So I think that has to pay for something too. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Nina to get this one done. Aljamain Sterling taking on Pedro Munoz. Who's looking to bounce back. This is a big one as far as the bantamweight division. You could probably say, are you, whoever wins this is going to be in line for the title shot. Um, man, that's a tough fight to pick. Aljo versus Pedro. <coughs> man. Ay, ay, ay. I'll pick uh, Pedro Munoz to win that fight. Uh, Ricardo Lamas is going to be fighting against Calvin Cotter. Uh, Ricardo gets to fight in his hometown of Chicago, so I'll go with the hometown kid. Carolina Kovalkiewicz taking on Alexa Grasso. Uh, I'll go with Carolina to get the win there. And Angela Hill back in action. She had a great performance when she was down here in South Florida. A lot of ladies on this card. A lot of ladies on this card for... This, but let's get to the let's get to the the nitty gritty of it, shall we, uh, ladies and gentlemen? Let's get to Donald Cerrone versus Tony Motherbleepin Ferguson. 
So this fight is really interesting for a couple of reasons. One, Cowboys fighting on five weeks notice. Much like Andy Ruiz is coming off a win like six weeks out. Cowboy's been an absolute destroyer since becoming Daddy Cerrone or uh, Papa Cowboy, whatever you want to label him as. He's been absolutely demolishing folks and has looked sensational. Tony Ferguson has been demolishing folks basically now in the better part of six years. He has been a former interim champion at lightweight, had it taken away from him just because of a torn knee, had to deal with some mental issues that kept him out of the sport for a little bit. Uh, we also don't forget that he beat Anthony Pettis uh, nine months after tearing up that knee like an absolute psychopath. So where do we get these guys? Okay, so this is my best thought of it, all right? Or this is this is this is my simple breakdown of it. Cowboy is very like you kind of get the the feeling of how Cowboy is going to fight right out of the gate, right? He's usually a fast starter. Uh, the best way to usually get to Cowboy is to get to him early and push him back. The one thing that's a problem with Tony is Tony is a slow starter. You know, Tony is war of attrition. Tony is, as the fight gets on, if the fight gets harder, the fight gets into the, the dark places, he is going to usually rise atop that and come up with those nasty blade elbows and that's those sick darsh chokes and all that stuff. He's unorthodox, but he gets hit. And he can get lit up from time to time. And we just saw this with, you know, with Anthony. I just think that when he fought Anthony Pettis, you know, he took his lickings and he was just like a zombie. But we've seen with Anthony, you know, he was in this weird spot where he wasn't getting wins and it's been a while. He wasn't in the he wasn't in the the peak peaks that he's been in. Uh, he's an entertaining fighter as all hell. Cowboy right now seems like he's in one of those real zones, you know. It could be one of those things where we, you know, Cowboy just doesn't have it on that certain night. We don't know. But, man, right now he just looks at a different level. And I, we don't know what kind of mental stuff Tony's been going through. Um, I think Cowboy's going to get this, man. I really do. I just think that the idea of Cowboy being in there with a guy who usually gets off to slow starts, which allows him to get comfortable, which allows him to find his range, Against a guy, Tony Ferguson, who does get lit up a little bit. They're both really excellent on the ground. You know, Tony's probably a little bit more unorthodox and has some crazier submissions. But, you know, he's probably the, if you have to say one's the better wrestler, Tony's probably a little bit better of a wrestler. But Donald Cerrone is one of the best mixed martial arts wrestlers on the planet. He's good at everything. He has good submissions everywhere. You, you can't really look at either one of these guys and say they're bringing a huge weakness to the cage. Um, maybe Cowboy has the ability to end the fight on one shot quicker because he has those head kicks that are absolutely devastating, whereas Tony's normally those heavy hands, bloody you up, wear you down. Uh, I think that I think that Donald, I'm just a little bit more confident in where he is uh, from from the standpoint of he's in the zone right now, he's been active. He knows that that title fights in grasp. Two things are going to... This is what I think is going to happen. All right? 
neither one of these guys really has a title shot on the outcome of this because Khabib and Dustin are going to fight unless an injury happens. So if you win this fight, you do get the luxury of, well, I get to be the guy on standby, and I'm definitely going to be the guy next called. Uh, DC's really put uh, DC. T- nobody calls Donald Cerrone DC. Cerrone is in this uh, this spot where if he gets this fight, I gotta imagine it's either it, it, that that that's gotta be enough to lure Connor out because that will solidify Donald as the number one guy. I think the one thing with Connor is he's looking for the path to Khabib. And if you beat Donald Cerrone, I don't know if that necessarily gets him there, especially if Tony also had a win. I think you'd have to look at it and say, well, no, you had to beat Tony to get to the title. But if Donald kind of takes care of your dirty work and beats Tony for you, then you know that's the path to get to the title. If Tony wins, same thing. Has to be to Connor, where Connor is going to get the next fight. And, And really, look. The only benefit of fighting Connor at this point is blockbuster points because, really, if you want to talk about what's more worthy of a title shot these days, beating Connor McGregor or beating Donald Cerrone or beating Tony Ferguson, Connor's third on that list if we're really going to talk about merit. The guy hasn't won a fight since 2016. So, and it's, I'm not trying to disrespect the resume and how much great stuff he's done in the sport. He has. But it is what it is. You know, Paul Felder mentioned this yesterday on the broadcast. It's like, look, you either fight or you don't fight. Why is he number three in the rankings? The guy doesn't fight. And he hasn't won since 2016. And he makes a point. He makes a fair point. So I do think because of Connor's star power and because of all the things he's done in the sport, this does set whoever wins this fight up to fight Connor. Why not even do it on the same card that. Uh, Khabib and, and Dustin are on. The only thing I could see screwing that up would be Ego because Connor's not going to be the co-main event to Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, but from my mind, I'm going to pick Cowboy Soraya to win this fight. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm gonna I'm wearing down my first show after vacation. Uh, I'm going to say that Connor, uh, that Cowboy's going to beat this fight, win this fight over Tony Ferguson. I'm going to go with a second round stoppage to get it done. If he doesn't get it done early. It's one of those fights I wish it was five rounds. But I think it, I think he's going to get it done in the second round. If he doesn't, that third round will be interesting. Um and that first round is going to be key too because because it's only a three round fight. Um you know, establishing that early is going to be pretty crazy. Because if, look, if Tony gets off to the fast fight, the the fast start, uh, I kind of see him steamrolling. But I don't feel like he's going to because he doesn't typically get off to fast starts. So I'm going to pick Cowboy. Cowboy second row finish. That's what I'll go with. But, man, I can't wait for that fight. I think it's going to be tremendous. It really could go a lot of different ways. Anyway. We got to get out of here, everybody. Thank you for listening to the uh, extra segment, the breakdown of UFC 238. We'll have the full recap for you next week. Same time, same place. Same time, same place. Fighters Fury next Sunday. If you can, uh, leave a review and good rating for the show. Always does great for the uh, the boost of the podcast and all that stuff. So 
Love you guys. Talk to you then. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.